Hello, and welcome to the podcast Buffy and the Art of Stories Season 3. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you love creating stories or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're in the right place. I am Lisa M. Lilly, author of the Awakening Supernatural Thriller series and the QC Davis Mysteries and founder of writingasasecondcareer.com. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 21, Graduation Day, Part 1. In particular, we'll talk about how the theme of what graduation means for each character is woven into this fast-paced story without slowing it a bit. The ways that this two-part story calls back to previous episodes and could serve as a series finale, though happily it was not. The interweaving of key plot turns for this episode with the major plot turns for the two-episode finale, and the way different moments for particular characters here reflect parts of other characters' arcs. As always, there will be no spoilers except at the end to talk about foreshadowing, but I'll give you plenty of warning. Okay, let's dive into the Hellmouth. Graduation Day Part 1 is Part 1 of the two-part Season 3 finale. It originally aired on May 18, 1999, and was written and directed by Joss Whedon. We start with an opening conflict that draws us right into the episode and the episode's theme as Cordelia and Xander go through graduation robes. Cordelia complains about the maroon color. She wanted teal, but nobody listens to her. Xander doesn't think it matters because he says, there is no way I'm getting out of this school alive. To which Cordelia responds, wow, you've really mastered the art of positive giving up. And this is before Xander finds out that the mayor will be speaking at graduation day. This line shows us what graduation represents for Xander, and it is not so much the idea of high school ending, but that fear that he will never make it to adulthood. He will never make it to the place beyond high school. We switch to Willow and Harmony, and they are now very friendly to each other, signing one another's yearbooks, saying they wish they would have gotten to know each other better. Harmony tells Willow she's so smart. Harmony always wanted to be like that. Buffy walks over and catches the end of the conversation, and Willow says, ah, I'm going to miss her. And Buffy responds, don't you hate her? Willow answers, yes, with a fiery vengeance. She picked on me for 10 years. However, Willow goes on to explain that she is going to miss everything. She's suddenly nostalgic. She'll even miss gym class. And Buffy just doesn't feel it. She says she doesn't get the whole graduation thing. Quote, you get a piece of paper and nothing changes, unquote. Part of it is that the mayor is due to become a demon and snack on the population, so she probably won't be going to graduation day since that is when it's all supposed to happen. She can't both go to graduation and fight the mayor. 
So this raises a question, which is where I really started to see this theme of what does graduation mean for Buffy? Yes, getting done with high school matters, but for her, despite that that wasn't a given, she got kicked out twice at her original school, which is what led her to Sunnydale, and then last year after she was accused of killing Kendra. Yet graduating high school is clearly not her biggest challenge. So what does this moment, this ceremony mean for her? Xander arrives and tells them, guess who the commencement speaker is? The mayor. And he says, lends credence to my whole I'm gonna die theory, doesn't it? Buffy is disturbed and asks, are there any other surprises? We're at 3 minutes 23 seconds into the episode. Faith knocks on the door of an apartment. An aging professor answers. She explains she's from Mayor Wilkins' office. The professor is surprised and flattered that a politician is interested in his research. Faith asks if they're alone, and when he says yes, she pulls a large knife and tells him to face the wall. He is shocked. He says he'll scream, and Faith responds, who wouldn't? This is so Faith-like, this line. I I feel like she is realistic here. Who wouldn't scream? She, She doesn't think of him as a weakling because he screams. She's like, of course. And she is also not worried about being discovered. She feels very protected, both by her own ability to fight and get out of things, and of course, by the mayor. And she tells the professor she's sorry, but the boss wants him dead. When he asks why, she says she never thought to ask. This also shows how far Faith has traveled in a relatively short time. In Bad Girls, when she killed the deputy mayor by mistake, she seemed distraught. We saw her, despite a lot of bravado, struggle with what she had done. And now she is purposely and consciously killing and for no reason other than the mayor wants it. She doesn't care why. This also speaks to the bond between the mayor and Faith. So now we are approaching 10% through the episode. This is where we usually see the story spark or inciting incident that gets our main plot rolling. So here, because this is a double episode arc, I wouldn't expect to see the inciting incident for the two episode arc here. But I do think it is no accident that Faith stabs the professor and we hear him howl at 4 minutes 26 seconds into this episode. So right about uh, almost exactly 10% through it. And it does set off the episode story about Faith and Buffy, Faith poisoning Angel, because it is her killing the professor that draws Buffy to the apartment, which in turn brings Angel there and Faith will shoot him and poison him there. In the next scene, the mayor and Faith joke about the professor's death. 
They're both excited about the coming ascension. They're at her apartment. Faith has been off screen and she walks out in this pretty pink dress the mayor chose for her. And she says she feels stupid in it. And we can see that in her body language. But he tells her it's perfect for the ascension. And any boys who are left will be lining up to ask her out. Faith says it's not her, and the mayor tells her no one knows all of what she is, not even her. At first, this line when it started uh, seemed to me like he was talking down to her, a little bit like when Angel was telling Buffy what she would want and need when he broke up with her. But when the mayor says not even Faith knows all of what she is and will be, I thought he was making a different point that he was saying, don't limit yourself by what your picture of yourself is. Because he goes on to say, it's her day to blossom. Show the world what a powerful girl she is. And he tells her no father could be prouder. We have explicit that relationship. So much like Buffy's and Giles, where this season, Giles gets fired from the council because he has a father's love for the child. And here we have the reflection of that with Faith and the mayor, and the mayor specifically uh, referring to himself as a father. Going back to Faith in this dress and the mayor telling her it is her day as well, this is graduation for both of them. The ascension will bring them to another level. And the question throughout is what will that mean? For the mayor, we don't get an answer until the next part, though we know that this has been his goal perhaps for a 100 years. Um, what it means to faith is explored in this episode and the next. At seven minutes, nine seconds in, Percy shows Willow his B minus on his history final paper and says, I'm a scholar. I'm like a scholar. This is the student that Willow was forced into tutoring in Doppelgangland. He thanks her for helping him and for not kicking his ass in the bronze that day. So this is an explicit callback to Doppelgangland and Vampire Willow because she is the one who nearly killed Percy. Willow almost tells him that wasn't really her, but then she says it was for his own good. She also tells him history is important, which turns out to be true in part two. Percy says he totally gets that now. He's got the grades, he's graduating, and he can forget all this crap, and he walks off. Willow's a little downcast that Percy missed the point, but Oz, who came in on the end of the conversation, says on the bright side, depending on what happens at graduation, Percy might not need to forget anything. He is trying to keep things light, but Willow points out that the mayor might eat the whole class. She says they need a spell to fight him, and Oz reassures her they'll figure it out. This is a great example of quick exposition through conflict 
to remind the audience what we're expecting to happen. And it's very realistic because Oz being so laid back pushes Willow to worry out loud and also tell the audience what's going on. It feels so real to her character, though, and it's a real conflict. She feels anxious with good reason, and Oz appears not to take her seriously, which upsets her. She needs to know he's in this with her and that he understands how important this is. Xander ducks into class late, and at first we think he's in trouble with the teacher, but then we realize uh, the teacher is leading the class in a game of hangman since it is post-finals. Now we have a scene that does something I'm not sure I've talked about much before, which is to use not just conflict, but comedy to get through a plot development that needs to happen, but otherwise would not be all that exciting. So here, we need a reason for Xander to tell Anya about the ascension, which will prompt her to share what she knows about it. Xander telling Anya about the Ascension could be really repetitive. We already know that that is on the horizon as the audience. Anya wants to see Xander that weekend and says they can do some entertaining thing. Xander answers, would that be along the lines of telling me about all the men you destroyed in your demon days? Because pencil me in. This uh, little bit of conflict gets out Anya's background as a demon. She then proposes different things, finally suggesting they could watch sports because men like sports. He tells her at last that he's not sure he'll make it to the weekend. He may not survive the ascension. Anya's eyes widen and Xander says, what? This is at 10 minutes in. Since this is a double episode arc, I see this or a later related Anya scene as the story spark or inciting incident of the full two episodes. Anya knowing about the ascension is what sets off Buffy's strategy to fight the mayor. This scene also ends with a story question because the audience doesn't know yet why Anya reacted as she did. And that story question will keep us engaged through the next couple scenes. At 10 minutes, 17 seconds in, Wesley and Giles are fencing in the library. This is a wonderful way to show the difference between them of skill, experience, agility, focus, pretty much everything. Because Giles is fencing left-handed while he reads the newspaper and still holding his own and then some with Wesley. The newspaper has an article about the professor's murder. Buffy says she recognizes the brushwork as Faith's. Buffy wonders why bother to kill this professor of geology if the whole city is going to be decimated shortly. So she plans to go to the professor's apartment to see if she can find answers. Giles warns her to be careful. She is at a disadvantage to Faith. And Buffy says, because I'm not crazy or because I don't kill people? Giles responds, both, actually. Buffy says, I hear you. I can't kill her, fun as it may sound. I can make her cry uncle, though, and I mean to. Wesley warns her not to let her feelings about Faith interfere with her work. And Buffy says, stopping Faith is my work. Take a beat to love the synergy. Wesley reminds her that the main thing is to stop the ascension. 
We're now at 12 minutes, seven seconds in. This is about one quarter through the episode. So here in a story, we often see the first major plot twist. It comes from outside the protagonist, spins the story in a new direction, and usually raises the stakes. So here, I think this one quarter twist doubles as the inciting incident or story spark of the two episode arc, because this is where Xander walks in with Anya and says, you want to know about the Ascension, meet the only living person who has ever been to one. This spins the story because now they will focus on figuring out which demon the mayor will become and what will happen and how to fight him. Of course, they have been thinking about that anyway, but now they'll have information to guide their research and help devise their strategy. Anya tells them 800 years ago, a sorcerer achieved ascension and became the demon Lohesh. It decimated a village within hours maybe only three people survived and Anya says I've seen some horrible things in my time I've been the cause of most of them but this Wesley counters that he's heard that Lohesh was not that fierce but Anya tells them all that they have never seen a real demon Buffy says hey fighting them professionally for years now but Anya explains that all the demons on the earth now are tainted they are hybrids like vampires mixed at some point with humans and that pure demons are different, more powerful, and bigger. So in addition to giving us some more information and raising the stakes, this also was a little callback to Buffy's life on the show. She has been fighting demons professionally for years. Outside the school, the mayor and Principal Snyder are walking through the setup for the graduation. The mayor tells Snyder to just make sure the kids show up. If they don't, they won't get a diploma. He also thanks Snyder for keeping order despite all the strange things that go on in Sunnydale. Snyder talks about order being important to him, and the mayor tells him that Sunnydale owes him a debt and it will be paid. Back at the library, Willow walks in and sees Anya and says, How come evil girl's in the mix? Xander fills her in. Anya says the rituals here are all different from Lohesh. The mayor walks into the library. Buffy moves the newspaper with the article about the professor underneath some books. The mayor threatens Buffy. Giles stabs him with the fencing sword, which doesn't hurt him. He just yanks it back out and heals. Giles certainly knew this. I think he reacted out of emotion, but this also tells the audience the mayor is invulnerable. He then chides Giles, says that the children will look to him for how to behave, and says he'll see them all at graduation. This scene seems to mainly be here to ratchet up tension on the face of it. It it doesn't do anything for our plot, but I wonder if the mayor did see that newspaper article, and that's how he knew to send Faith to keep watch over the professor's apartment. We're about 16 and a half minutes in. Anya leaves and hurries through the hall. Xander follows her and asks her to stay and help, but she won't. She says they can't stop the ascension, and the only thing any sane person can do is run. After she takes off, Cordelia approaches. We get a nice conversation. 
adding to the feeling we had in the prom that now these two are friends again, which we also saw earlier in the episode. And she says about Anya, what's her saga? Xander responds, she's freaking. Cordelia asks about what, and Xander says, the mayor's going to kill us all during graduation. Cordelia answers, oh, are you going to go to fifth period? Xander says, I'm thinking I might skip it. Cordelia answers, yeah, me too. This is also, though not explicit, a reference to how much these characters have been through. Cordelia is not even surprised and switches immediately to, hey, are you going to go to the next class? We then go to Joyce and Buffy. First, we see Buffy alone. She is in Joyce's bedroom packing a suitcase. Joyce walks in and says, you're running away again and you're taking my clothes. So nice callback to the beginning of the season where Buffy had run away. And also to the zombie episode, and I've forgotten the name at the moment, where Buffy starts to pack and leave again and both Willow and Joyce get so angry at her. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to see it continue, please leave a review wherever you listen or tell a friend about the show or post on social media. You can also support Buffy and the Art of Story by supporting me on Patreon. There is a link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Lily. that's double L-I, double L-Y, and you will get access to all sorts of bonus content as well. Buffy tells her mom she needs to leave town. That is Joyce, not Buffy, needs to leave town. Tries to convince her that graduation is pointless. And Joyce says, what, is some terrible demon going to attack the school? Buffy says nothing and keeps packing. And Joyce says, oh, I see. She wants Buffy to come with her if she leaves town or she's going to stay and be by Buffy's side. So this is not quite a graduation for Joyce, but we do see how much has changed changed since the season two finale. And the conversation reminds me of the conversation they had in that finale in that it is similar in the source of the conflict. Joyce wanting Buffy to be what she sees as normal and therefore safe in her mind. And Buffy explaining that she can't be anything other than what she is. What's so wonderful is how much the tone of this conversation changes. Same conflict, different relationship, which is so much closer. And I love that because in the end of season two, Joyce said some really awful things to Buffy and now she is being supportive of her daughter. Buffy says she knows sometimes Joyce wishes Buffy were different. Joyce denies that, but then Buffy has this short monologue. Mom, I wish I could be a lot of things for you. A great student, a star athlete, remotely normal. I'm not. But there is something I do that I can do better than anybody else in the world. I'm going to fight this thing, but I can't do it and worry about you. And she tells Joyce if she stays, it'll get Buffy killed. And Joyce agrees to leave. 
We needed this scene as an audience because otherwise, of course, Joyce would be at graduation. And as with the Xander Anya scene in the classroom, rather than give us a flat scene where Buffy tells Joyce what's happening and Joyce agrees to leave, the writers give us conflict, emotion, and character growth from last year. At 18 minutes, 44 seconds in, Amy the rat is squeaking in her cage, showing tension right away because even she is fearful, though she can't know what's going on. They're in Willow's bedroom. Willow slams a book shut, frustrated, and Oz asks if the book wasn't useful, and Willow says, oh, sure, it's a big help, if she wants to make ferns invisible or communicate with shrimp. And Oz says, Our lives are different from other people's. Willow says she's kidding herself. She's not a witch. She can't even change Amy back. So I love that Amy reference that calls back to Gingerbread, where Amy changed herself into a rat to escape being burned at the stake. So another nice season reference. Oz, still trying for a bit of lightness, says Amy's in a good place emotionally. And Willow asks if he could just pretend to care. He seems a bit surprised that she thinks he doesn't, and Willow reminds him the world could end in a day, and he's being ironic detachment guy. When he asks if it's better to panic, she says yes. Panic is a thing people share. She keeps talking about things that you're supposed to get to do, like graduate and after graduation, and now they're all probably just going to die. Oz kisses her, and she asks what he's doing, and he says, panicking. They kiss, and it fades out as they move on to the bed. So this is another callback to earlier in the season when Willow wanted to make love, partly to show Oz that he came first with her. Now she has not specifically mentioned that, but she said there are these things she was looking forward to doing and she might not get to do. So Oz's version of panicking is not waiting any longer. We switch to the professor's apartment. Buffy is going through his things. Angel trips as he appears in the doorway and she says, stealthy. Giles sent him over because Buffy might need backup. And Buffy says Giles is afraid she'll run into Faith, which foreshadows what will happen later in the episode. Both Wesley and Giles, in their own way, are very concerned about Buffy coming up against Faith. Buffy found a report by the professor on excavating a lava bed, and she has a box of other stuff. Angel takes it to carry it for her. Outside, they argue in the street after she tells him she can handle it. She doesn't want an escort. Angel is a bit petulant. It comes out that Buffy is upset. He showed up at the prom and disappeared, and for all she knew, he left town. He thinks she's arguing just for the sake of arguing and says, are you just making this harder to make this easier on yourself? This is one of a couple tongue twisters. And Buffy finally says she wishes it was over. This is my last office romance, I'll tell you that. Angel drops the box, says he'll get out of her face. And she asks, isn't this even a little hard for him? 
So this is a nice reflection of Willow and Oz, both Buffy and Willow having these intense emotions and feeling that their partners just do not feel the same way or at least are not expressing it. Unfortunately, Angel doesn't react quite as well as Oz does and he says Buffy is being a brat. So last week, Buffy took some cheap shots at Angel about his heart not beating, and now he's not exactly covering himself with glory in the arguing department. Buffy tells him she can't do this anymore. She can't have him in her life when she's trying to move on. So in terms of time, we're about 25 minutes, 11 seconds in. So we are beyond that midpoint where usually for the story of this episode alone, I would be looking for a major commitment by the protagonist or a major reversal that she would suffer. We are beyond the midpoint, but we are going to see a major reversal here. Also, uh, I would have looked in the two episode arc for that one quarter twist that comes from outside the protagonist, spins things in a new direction, and raises the stakes. And we are going to get a moment that hits both those major plot turns here just a little bit later than we normally would see it. We're at 25 minutes, 11 seconds in. Buffy's and Angel's fight is cut off when an arrow is shot from afar and goes through Angel near his heart. Angel staggers, falls to the ground. Buffy calls his name and holds him. Atop a building which has a giant neon Sunnydale sign on it, Faith watches. The vampire with her says, missed the heart, and she says, meant to. So here is that major reversal for Buffy because we'll find out in a moment that Angel is poisoned with a poison that will kill him. And clearly this comes from outside Buffy, from Faith, and it spins the story entirely because now the focus of this episode is on saving Angel and it does literally raise the stakes. At the library, Buffy pulls the arrow out. Giles says there's not much blood, so at first it seems that Angel is not in great danger. Wesley looks through the papers Buffy brought and says the professor dug through a volcano site and excavated a giant skeleton. The professor thought it might be a previously unknown type of dinosaur. So Giles figures this is what the mayor wanted to hide. If this is the demon he's going to turn into, it means that after the ascension he can be killed. And I had sort of forgotten that we as the audience know the mayor is only invulnerable until the ascension, but after that, uh, he can be injured and killed. This now tells Buffy and her friends that. Buffy, though, is not all that enthusiastic since where are they going to get tons of burning lava? Angel stands and stumbles. Buffy at first says he's been a real klutz today, but when he sways and passes out, they realize it's poison. Wesley says the council has all the known toxins on file, and he will check with them. 
At Willow's, Oz and Willow are in bed holding each other. Willow says she feels different. She rambles a bit about whether Oz feels different too, but no, he did this before. She says it was nice. Was it nice? And finally, she says, should this be a quiet moment? Oz responds, I know exactly what you mean. And Willow says, which part? Oz says, everything feels different. The phone rings. Willow answers, listens, hangs up, and says, We've got to go. At 28 minutes, 51 seconds in, Faith enters the mayor's office, tells him what a good time it was shooting Angel. The mayor is pleased that should keep Buffy occupied for a while. Now the mayor has to ingest the giant bug things in the box of Gavrock, which is wicked gross, as Faith points out. She wants something to do, but there isn't anything. The mayor tells her to go home and rest up. Tomorrow is the ascension. He also calls her a firecracker because of her enthusiasm, and she says her mom used to call her that. And she looks happy as she thinks back, which might be the first time Faith has said anything that seems to bring her joy from her childhood. She asks the mayor if she will need to fight tomorrow, and he says not if everything goes smoothly. But he chuckles and says, but how often does that happen? Faith says, so you'll still need me in there. And the mayor says, always. This says so much about them. And it's a a normal question and fear for Faith to have that fits the graduation theme. When everything changes, what is her role? When the mayor becomes this other being, when he ascends to a new level, what happens to Faith? And she tells him about how when she was a kid, there was a rock 40 feet up in the quarry, and she was the only one who would jump off. All the other kids were scared, and the mayor says, not you, though. And she says, no, I could do it easy. And that is such a metaphor for what Faith is doing here. It is what we've seen her doing. She jumps in without thinking, and she is jumping with the mayor with no idea what's going to happen or what comes next. At 30 minutes, 30 seconds in, Willow sends Xander to the magic shop. Xander walks out into the school hallway and Anya approaches. He's surprised. She's there. She says she's packed to leave. Her car's outside and she wants him to come with her. He's going to die if he stays. And she tells him she feels bad when she thinks something might happen to him, like she wants to vomit. Xander's sorry he gives her barfy feelings and tells her welcome to the world of romance. Anya has a wonderful line. She says, it's horrible. No wonder I used to get so much work. He tells her he has to stay. He might die, but he needs to be be here because he has friends. Anya questions whether he could be any help to them. He'll probably just get in the way. He tells her her stock is plummeting, and Anya says, fine, you know what? I hope you die. Aren't we going to kiss? We switch to Angel. He is home in his own bed, delirious with fever. Buffy tells him he'll be okay. Giles is in the other room. When Wesley arrives, Buffy joins them and asks about what the council said. And Wesley says they wouldn't help. It's not council policy to cure vampires. 
He tried to convince them, and they won't do it under any circumstances. He is talking about the importance of the ascension, and Buffy says, I'm talking about watching my lover die. I don't have a clue what you're talking about, and I don't care. He starts to tell her the council's orders, and she says orders. She's not taking any orders anymore, not from him or from the council. Wesley appeals to Giles, but he stands by Buffy, literally standing near her. Wesley tells her this is what the mayor wants, which we've seen. It's true for Buffy to be distracted, and now it's working, and they need a strategy to defeat the mayor. Buffy tells him she has a strategy. He's not in it. And then we get an explicit statement of our theme here because Wesley says this is mutiny. Buffy pauses and then says I like to think of it as graduation. So this is what graduation is for Buffy and it calls back to or maybe I should say the whole season has built to this because some of what Faith said when she told Buffy they don't have to take orders. They're the chosen two. They can do what they want. Some of that Buffy has internalized, but for different reasons. She did the job mainly because she believed in it. She didn't object to following orders when she thought they were the right thing to do and when it fit her values. But now she is confident enough both in her skills, in her team, and in her values to take this stand against the council to recognize that she does not need them. She quits the council. She tells Giles she needs to go. Wesley says she doesn't know what she's doing, and she tells him to get a job. Until breaking down this episode, I never liked this line. It felt sort of like a cheap shot to me, like, ha ha, I quit the council, and now you don't have a job. But now I look at it and I see it as this is graduation for Wesley. This is what it means. He has mainly through the season relied on his council position. He has gone to that when trying to get Buffy to do something. I forbid it as a watcher, um, as a member of the council. In a way, He hasn't truly earned his place with Buffy as Giles did. Giles proved he was of value to her, that she could trust him, that he loved and cared about her. Wesley has just come in as this guy from the council, and yes, at times he has been helpful, but without his position with the council, Wesley becomes insubstantial. That scene with fighting and fencing and the way Giles can do it one-handed while sorting through something else foreshadowed this. So for Wesley, graduation means he has to find his own strength and purpose aside from Buffy and the council, which were duties and powers granted on him by other people that he wasn't perhaps quite ready for and that we don't see much evidence of him earning. At the school chemistry lab, Willow found the poison. It's known as the killer of the dead, but there are only one or two vague accounts of it being cured. Oz finds something in a book while Buffy is there. He says there's a vamp who walked away, but then he says, damn. Willow looks too and says it completely reversed the effects and then says, oh, 
And Oz tells Buffy the only cure is to drain the blood of a slayer. She says it's perfect and, quote, if Angel needs to drain a slayer, then I'll bring him one, close quote. I see this moment as the last major plot turn of this episode. Usually we see that around two-thirds to three-quarters through a story, and it turns the story yet again in another new direction, but it arises directly out of the midpoint rather than coming from outside the protagonist. Here, this arises out of that midpoint reversal for the episode where Angel is poisoned, and it spins the story because now Buffy is going to go after Faith. The others are shocked. Willow says, Buffy, if Angel drains Faith's blood, it'll kill her. And Buffy says, not if she's already dead. And we cut to a commercial. So Buffy obviously does not think that Angel would be willing to kill Faith to save himself. So she is going to do it for him. When we come back, Willow is searching the computer for information on where Faith might be living. Sander is worried about Buffy. I think the others are too, but he is the one who expresses it. The fight will be to the death, and Xander says he doesn't want to lose her. When Buffy says she won't get hurt, he tells her that's not what he means. Echoing what Faith said to Buffy in Enemies when she says, uh, if you kill me, you become me. You're not ready for that. We don't spend a lot of time on this decision by Buffy, which in some ways seems odd because she has been so devastated at the idea of killing humans, even when it was not purposeful or premeditated at least. And yet now she's willing to kill Faith. So Xander is the conscience here. He is expressing that. We don't really see Buffy's answer. She just says, get me the address. I am okay with that, though. The pace of the episode has been building. I don't think we want to pause it to have a philosophical discussion. Also, I'm not sure that Buffy is going through a logical or reasoning process here. And it can be stronger to leave it to the audience to fill in the blanks of Buffy's choice, to find their own reasons. That can be more engaging. It makes your audience member or reader do some work, really think about the character even as they are engaged in the story. We next get a short montage, Faith training, hitting a punching bag in her apartment, Buffy looking at herself in the mirror, Angel growing more feverish. Willow then finds an address, Faith is in her apartment, listening to loud music, reading a magazine on her bed. Buffy enters and turns off the music. She has changed clothes. She's wearing red leather pants and a black leather jacket. Another visual that shows Buffy's move toward Faith's approach to life. This is a reflection of that moment with Faith in that dress the mayor bought her. Not exactly a move toward Buffy, but a little bit that part of Buffy that so wanted a normal life, uh, what she saw as normal, having fun, a girl having fun. So both of them have moved a bit in this episode or maybe more accurately have been pushed because it was the mayor pushing Faith to see that side of herself. (laughs) 
if the writing and plot elements I talk about in this podcast help you with your own writing, you might also find two of my audiobooks useful. Super Simple Story Structure, A Quick Guide to Plotting and Writing Your Novel by L.M. Lilly, and The One-Year Novelist, A Week-by-Week Guide to Writing Your Novel in One Year. This one is also narrated by me. You can get both books wherever you buy audiobooks. Also, you can ask at your public library. Many of them loan audiobooks, and they can order a copy of either book for you or may already have it. You can also get The One-Year Novelist and Super Simple Story Structure in ebook or workbook editions. Links are in the show notes. Faith says, is he dead yet? Buffy tells her Angel's not going to die and says, there's a cure. Faith responds, damn, what is it? And Buffy says, your blood. As justice goes, it's not unpoetic, don't you think? Faith tells her, you know you're not going to take me alive. And Buffy says, not a problem. Faith responds, look at you, all dressed up in big sister's clothes. So literal and figurative, Buffy has dressed like Faith, and she is taking a Faith-like approach. We get a fantastic fight scene all through the apartment, making use of all the furniture, leaping up onto the bed and back down, and eventually they break through the windows onto this terrace outside that is uh, pretty high up near the roof. Faith and Buffy keep fighting. Buffy handcuffs Faith to her. We switch briefly to Giles. He is going through the professor's documents and history books and figures out, based on the villagers' reports who lived near that volcano site, which demon the mayor will become. And he finds a drawing in a book. He and Xander look at it. The demon is so large. It's another snake demon, but it is giant, so much so that they have to fold out the page multiple times to see all of it. And Xander says, we're going to need a bigger boat. I still don't quite get this line, but maybe it will make sense when we get to graduation day part two. At 39 minutes, 47 seconds in, the mayor in his office is ingesting these giant spider-like bug things. And he tells the vampire with him, my God, what a feeling. The power of these creatures suffuses my being. Another vampire bursts in and the mayor says, we don't knock during dark rituals. But the vampire tells the mayor, there may be trouble at faiths. We return to our two slayers still battling on the terrace. Buffy says, what's the matter? All that killing and you're afraid to die? Faith gets out of the handcuffs. Buffy pulls out Faith's knife, that one that she got during Choices when they traded the box of Gavrock for Willow. And Faith says, that's mine. And Buffy says, you're about to get it back. They are up on the ledge above the street and Buffy stabs Faith in the gut. 
Buffy's eyes widen and her expression shows us she is devastated at doing this, that suddenly it's real. And so my take on what was happening internally for Buffy when she heard that the blood of a slayer could save Angel, that she has been running on raw emotion and this feeling that this is poetic justice, that maybe even that she is in a sense, defending Angel from Faith's attack, and that this this is therefore is something she can do. But that moment that she stabs Faith and the two stare at each other, it hits Buffy. She looks stricken, and Faith says, you did it. She slugs Buffy. Buffy falls onto her back on the roof, and Faith says, you killed me. Still won't help your boy, though. She looks down. She sees a flatbed truck driving down the street. I think we're like 20 stories up. And she lets herself fall off the building. Buffy looks down as Faith slams into the cargo on the truck and is driven away. And we cut and the words to be continued show on the screen. So talk about a cliffhanger. Also, this is the midpoint of the double episode arc and a major reversal for Buffy. Not just that she couldn't bring Faith to Angel, but the fact that she tried to kill Faith at all. And in this moment, it appears she did succeed and did kill Faith. That is also a major reversal for Buffy, who has always drawn the line against killing humans. I do have a few things from the DVD interview with Joss Whedon. He covered in the interview both parts one and two, so I'll try to keep this to part one. Other than there is a reference to Angel leaving because he will be on his own series. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler since I'm sure everyone listening knows that that happened. Whedon said that this finale was designed to wrap up a number of things. Buffy's relationship with the Watcher's Council that she leaves. Willow losing her virginity. Personally, I I dislike this way of framing it as if virginity is something one has and loses and it makes it sound like a bad thing, but I I get what he's saying. Um, Angel leaving, so they knew they had to wrap up that relationship. He also commented on Anya that she came in as a a one-shot character, but the writers became fascinated with her, this 1,100-year-old demon who has to become a high school girl and all the things that happen to her and how she deals with it, and particularly her attachment to Xander, which Anya herself finds bewildering. I hope you will stay tuned for foreshadowing and spoilers. If not, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you will come back next Monday for Graduation Day Part 2, where Buffy strives to save Angel and fight the mayor. And we are back for spoilers and foreshadowing. Buffy's comment about how for graduation you get a piece of paper and nothing changes is a nice small foreshadowing of Giles rescuing her diploma from the flames and telling her she has earned it. So we do get that recognition of her graduating high school. 
the interplay with Willow and Percy, I just love it because it does so many things. First, it perfectly sets up part two of graduation day because we understand why does Percy listen to Willow? That is part of getting the whole senior class to go along with fighting the mayor. Willow goes to Percy. I think it's Xander goes to Harmony. And we have a little bit of that set up too, that despite that they have been at odds, Harmony still knows Willow and Xander well enough to listen to them. Going back to Percy, that comment that history is important. So it is that history of the demon skeleton in the volcano that allows them to figure out how to kill the mayor once he ascends. Also, I feel like this is a little reference to the entire history of the show and how much all our characters and everything they have been through contributes to this season finale. And there is a little bit of uh, fun foreshadowing, I guess, or maybe I just want to talk about how uh, we see Percy again in season four, where Willow goes to a fraternity party after Oz left. She's rather despondent. She doesn't know anyone, and she's excited to see Percy, and he's very nice to her, but his girlfriend is jealous, and Willow later overhears Percy reassuring his girlfriend that uh, Willow is just a nerd. And he'd never be interested in her, and Willow is devastated. He, he doesn't say it quite in such a mean way, but the girlfriend doubles down a bit on it, but also is still jealous. Uh, that part doesn't seem to stick with Willow, though. I found it very interesting that the mayor tells Principal Snyder that Sunnydale owes him a debt and it will be paid. So this is not so much foreshadowing, I don't think, as a question because the mayor as a giant snake eats Principal Snyder. Is that his way of repaying his debts? A little bit unusual given that mostly the mayor seemed to try to carry out the duties of his office conscientiously to do all the things he's supposed to do. He has seemed to care about doing a good job as mayor and maybe that moment is to emphasize however evil the mayor was when he was still in human form it is totally different now as a demon. I also wonder if this insistence on order, that the mayor thanks Snyder for keeping order, Snyder says how important that is to him, is a comment on then it leads to him being killed. I have puzzled through the season uh, and before, is Snyder meant to be seen as good or evil? He's often opposing Buffy. And maybe this is part of the show's comment that when you follow orders simply for the sake of following them without considering whether it is right or wrong, that that is the result. Because we have Buffy refusing to take orders in this episode and we have Snyder being complimented on keeping order. Although Buffy refusing to take orders partly results in this fight with Faith where she stabs her with an intent to kill her. So there's an interesting question there, interesting philosophical 
question. Buffy's line that she wishes it was over and this is my last office romance, I'll tell you that, is so wonderful because in season five, the episode where Spike expresses for the first time his feelings for Buffy, she uh, is repulsed and he tells her it's not so strange. Two people work together. Uh, It happens. So uh, very much the office romance again. And uh, I had forgotten that she made this reference to it here. So we will see that is quite a bit what happens to Buffy. And with Riley in season four, when she finds out he's in the initiative, she initially is not going to have anything to do with him because she does associate that with Angel, the office romance, and how terribly painful this is to have to see Angel again, work together again when they have broken up. The Xander Anya last scene has a lot of foreshadowing. I don't know if it was intentional, but when she is begging him to come with her, she nonetheless leaves when he won't. And in season five, she will reference this when they think they're all going to die, when Glory is trying to open up a portal between two realities, which will essentially end their world. Anya stays and she tells Xander, normally I I would leave, I would be out of here, but now because I love you, I'm staying and having inappropriately timed sex, which, which they do in the basement of the magic shop. And then in season seven, they are at the hospital getting supplies in the finale and Andrew teases her about why she is staying. And she says the thing about humans is they always fight. And he teases her and says, you love us, you love us, because she has continued to have this idea of how she doesn't understand humans and they're ridiculous, but she is going to stay and fight. So that is it for this episode. Thank you again for listening. I hope you will come back next week for Graduation Day Part 2. Music for this episode was composed and performed by Robert Newcastle. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman, LLC. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.